Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, brought to you as part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast network i am your host jake mastriani you can follow me on on twitter at shortstop ball also make sure you follow the podcast on twitter at locked on underscore braids make sure you subscribe to us on youtube as well and wherever you get your podcasts and as always thank you for making lockdown braves your first listen each and every day we post episodes daily five days a week monday through friday and are free and available on all platforms and this is your uh, late night edition Uh, if you're following me on twitter you know i was at the game on thursday night and then made the two and a half hour drive back to my home in birmingham and i just got out of the car literally five minutes ago press the record button because i wanted to talk about all this while it's fresh on my mind uh, of what happened with game one the home opener opening day for the Atlanta Braves versus Cincinnati Reds as the Braves do fall six to three. And it honestly was just one of those games. And that's really all you can say about it and just chalk it up to being one of those games in baseball. And this game to me was an imperfect example of why baseball should be played in series. And it's why I absolutely hated the idea of a one-game wild card playoff. As exciting as that is, baseball is meant to be played over a series to figure out which is the better team. And I'm not trying to you know, take away anything the Cincinnati Reds did on Thursday night. They put the ball in play. They struck out a lot of Braves hitters. They did what they needed to do. But... The Braves were on the unfortunate side of a lot of things in this game. They had a lot of things go against them. The Reds had a lot of a lot of things go their way, and they come out on top with the victory. Again, not taking away anything from the Reds. They struck out 13 Braves batters. They put the ball in play. They were finding the holes, and the Braves hitters were not. Had some unfortunate lineouts in this one. So, again, you know, as well as I do, as Braves fans, it does not matter what happens on opening day. You can be a struggling team for three and a half, four months of the season, as the Braves were last year, and then turn it on and win a World Series. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And this is one game, and I know it's opening day, and we're going to get overreactions, and I understand all of that. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of those because that's – part of what makes this fun and that's why I wanted to just give you my immediate reaction from after the game because I want to get into some of this the things that we saw in this game some weaknesses some glaring weaknesses for the Atlanta Braves that we talked about coming in to this season but overall when I when I look at this game when I walked away from this game I thought you know the Braves could have easily won this a couple of things go their way and they win this but Things didn't break their way on Thursday night. It broke the way of the Reds, and they came away with the 6-3 win. 
But let's start on the mound and let's start with Max Freed. And Max Freed gets the opening day start as he should have. And he's a little amped up, uh, was Max Freed in this one. He was touching 97, uh, sitting 96, 97 in the first inning, really the first couple of innings. And he looked, he looked quite dominant in that first inning. And so much so, so you want to talk about overreactions. I'm sitting here thinking, man. He pitches like this, he's going to win that Cy Young that, uh, you know, I've predicted in places. He looked amazing in that first inning. He started to lose it a little bit in the second inning, and that bled over into the third inning as well. Just losing command, had a couple of close pitches, didn't go his way, and he gave up a run in the second inning. Uh, After he hit uh, Tyler Stevenson to start that second inning, he came around to score. And then in the third inning, again, just falling behind in counts, giving up some some pretty hard-hit balls. Also had just had a couple of bloopers that, that snuck in as well or snuck through the infield and gave up a couple of runs there. Was actually glad, or glad that he didn't give up more in that third inning. Got a big double play to get him out of that jam. And then after that, you know, he was the max breed that, that can win a Cy Young. And he was really great from that point on, really in the fourth and fifth innings. He cruised through those innings. And then came the sixth inning, and it looked like he was going to cruise through a sixth inning. And then he gave up a couple of weak hits. Mustakis, you know, snuck one just between Dansby and Ozzy, a, a ball that, you know, Dansby got his glove on but couldn't really make a clean play on. It would have been a tough play anyway. Uh, then another ball sneaks through. And then he got the nine-hitter coming up. And Brandon Drury, and I didn't like the move. I understand it, but Brian Snicker decides to take out Max Freed, and I get it. It's opening day. It is frigidly cold. I was up in the 400 section just freezing my tail off out there. It was really cold, really windy. You know, Max Freed was never going to throw more than, you know, 85, 90 pitches. I get it. I think he ended at 83, 84 pitches. I really just wanted – snicker to give him one more batter you know you had the leadoff batter on deck you had McHugh ready to go in the bullpen I thought okay let Max Freed get through the bottom of this order if it flips to the top again then you can bring in McHugh you know hopefully Max gets out Brandon Drury there and you let McHugh get a clean inning to start with the top of the order and those three righties they had but he decides to go with Colin McHugh there after you know again a couple of weak balls sneak through the infield takes out Max Freed Colin McHugh comes in, he gives up the three-run homer, and that was pretty much the game right there. And that was just a a gut punch. I mean, the stadium just air air was taken out of the stadium. I mean, you could feel it. Um, you know, at that point, it just you know this this thing could come back, and you know they had a couple of chances too, but when Brandon Drury hit that three-run homer, it just uh, it really took a lot of a lot of momentum out of the stadium really was just a, a ultimate killer there. And I hate that for Colin McHugh to be his introduction, you know, to the Atlanta Braves, giving up that home run to the number nine hitter, the bottom of the Reds lineup in this game, just absolutely killed the Braves. I think they had four RBI on the night from the bottom of the lineup, three coming there from Brandon Drury. And I think uh, Farmer had another one as well. So the bottom of the Reds lineup really did some damage in this one, but that, to me, was the moment of the game, and I'm not killing Brian Snicker for that move. Again, I understand that it's it's opening day. You got your ace out there on a cold night. Uh, he's already up over 80 pitches. You know, he sent him back out there for the six. You know, gave him another batter to try to get out of that inning. Again, gave up another little 
uh, bleeder through the infield, and then he decides to pull him. Again, I would have gone one more batter, let the lineup flip over again, but I understand why he didn't. However, that was the ball game, essentially. I mean, that three-run homer ended up being the difference in the game right there. So that was it. But just to wrap things up on Max Freed's performance, I hated it for Max Freed's final line, too, because one more out, you know, he, could, he would have had a quality start. Colin McHugh comes in, gives up that home run. That, that makes it a total of five earned runs given up on the night by Max Freed over five and two-thirds, eight hits, one walk five strikeouts so he was so close to having a a quality start and now it just looks like a real stinker of a start but i thought he was really good outside of really that third inning he he started to have some hiccups in that second inning but really it was just that third inning where he was really struggling outside of that you know i thought he was the the dominant max Fried we're used to he averaged 95.3 miles per hour on his fastball again i think he was a a little amped up in this one, especially early on. After that third inning, he really settled in with that curveball and was able to get it over for strikes. So he had a 36% whip rate on that curveball in this one. Um, so he had uh, five called strikes on it as well. So again, just getting that curveball over for strikes uh, was really big. He maxed out at 98 miles per hour on that fastball. So uh, again, typical, you know, Max Freed, a little bit unlucky. In this one, definitely had some uh, batting average on balls and play go against him. Uh, he'll be just fine. He'll bounce back from this one. Um, but, yeah, just a little unlucky there. And that Colin McHugh coming in, giving up that home run, really just killed what his final line should have been in this game. All right, next we'll turn to the hitting side a little bit and where the Braves had the opportunity to score some runs in this one. But, again, like Max Freed, a little bit unlucky on Thursday night. And again, I talked about it at the top. Baseball, baseball will do this to you sometimes. It's a very humbling sport. And, you know, you can do everything right and just not get the result. And that was the case for a lot of Braves hitters in this game. Now, Look, this offense is what it is. They are going to strike out a ton. They struck out 13 times on Thursday, and they're going to hit a lot of home runs as well. And when the home runs are coming, they're going to win a lot of baseball games. This was a very cold, a very windy night. I was watching batting practice before the game, and you could literally see balls get to the warning track, and it was just like they hit a wall and dropped. So this was just one of those nights where, you know, just not great conditions for the type of offense that the Braves have. And they had several balls that were hit hard that just went for outs. The big one, now there's a couple of big ones really, but the Mar Marcel Azuna had two. The line out that he hit back at Tyler Malley I was looking in the center field thinking, where's the ball? I, I can't find the ball. And I look back and Tyler Molly, 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 sorry, is walking off the mound with the baseball in his glove. I could not believe he caught that. That ball was hit at 104.5 miles per hour. And somehow he was able to snag that. I mean, that should have been through the infield, should have been a run in. Um, just, I don't know how he caught it. The, the ball caught him it had that ball had a 600 a 610 expected batting average marcel zuna absolutely squared that one up 
He had another one earlier in the game I thought was gone off the bat. Again, one of those that died at the warning track. He hit it at 104.5 miles per hour. That was, again, just another absolute blast from Marcel Ozuna and just, again, died right there at the warning track. I'm sorry, this one earlier in the game was hit at 101 miles per hour, 37 um, degree launch angle. Those balls are usually going to go, and when the warmer weather comes and it's not on a windy night, that ball is going to go. There was another one from Travis Darno. I also thought was gone. Uh, came in the second inning at 99.6 miles per hour, 35 degree launch angle. Again, died at the warning track. And then the one from Alex Dickerson, which I thought was at least going to be off the right field wall. He hit that one 100.1 miles per hour, 21 degree launch angle. Just some unfortunate <laughs> results for these Braves hitters tonight. And you can look at the box score and you know say they didn't get a ton of hits. They only had four hits on the night. But you look at just those three right there, you know, balls that have an expected batting average over 500, and it's just a little bit of unfortunate circumstances. Um, Matt Olson had the hardest hit ball of the night at 113 miles per hour and a 720 expected batting average, and it went for a ground out into the shift. So, I mean, there was just a lot of that. You look at all the hard hit balls by the Braves tonight, and a lot of them are out so uh, again there's nothing you can really do about it but that's just the game of baseball sometimes it's a bit unfortunate certainly not ready to throw up any red flags on the team or this offense they they hit the ball hard and that's all you can do uh, eventually you'll get the results out of that but um just one of those one of those nights one of those games and it's uh, it's unfortunate it's frustrating as a fan but those things will even out. It's good to see see the Braves hitting the ball hard. Good to see Marcelo Zuna, you know, hitting the ball hard. One of the big question marks coming into the season, and he squared up a couple of baseballs. And again, just a bit unfortunate there. Austin Riley, um, player of the game for the Atlanta Braves for sure, had three hits in this game. Three of the four Braves hits, including a two-run homer. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was starting to walk towards the exits in that eighth inning, was making my way towards the gate, and I got this long drive back home, and it was freezing, and I am not a cold weather person at all, and stopped to watch Matt Olson at bat, see if maybe he was going to get his first Braves homer. He gets his second walk of the night. He walked twice on the evening, and then Austin Riley hit a, a beautiful home run out to left center field to make it a sixth three games so then of course i hang around for the end and it doesn't turn out the way i was hoping but what a night for austin riley three for four that two run homer uh first first hit i know was kind of an inside out swing that he beat the shift with the other way um don't really remember where the second oh the second hit was he he smoked one down the third baseline third baseman made a good backhanded play on it and i never saw a replay at the game and I think it hit Austin Riley on the way to the first base, or either Joey Votto just couldn't handle it as Austin Riley ran in front of him, um, but went down for a base hit, running up scoring on the play, um, but obviously not an RBI as the ball got away. So great game from Austin Riley at the plate. And then on the pitching side of things, 
Spencer Strider was the highlight of the night on the pitching side. Two innings, no hits, no walks, five strikeouts. And I got to pull up um, pull up a tweet real quick, so bear with me, because I saw a note on this about Spencer, Spencer Strider and what he was able to do on Thursday. Uh, from Sarah Langs on Twitter, it says, um, Spencer Strider was the second pitcher in the pitch tracking error since 2008 to have five-plus strikeouts in a game all at 99 miles per hour, 99 miles per hour or higher. Um, that is incredible. And seeing that being there and seeing it and just watching it and hearing it pop the mitt, um, I just hope he doesn't break any thumbs of any of our catchers this year. That ball was humming in there. That was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I've gone on record here saying many times I think he needs to go back to the minors and get stretched out of the starter because I just think the potential there is way too high to just go ahead and put a bullpen label on him. But, man, if it doesn't work out as a starter, you know, I could see him being a – um you know, a multi-inning Andrew Miller type of guy coming out of the bullpen um, for the Atlanta Braves for a, a long time and just a lot of fun to watch. I saw him strike out Joey Votto with a 100.3 mile per hour fastball. Um, again, that was that was certainly one of the highlights, especially, you know, the game was seemingly over at that point. I thought Tyler Thornburg looked really good as well in his inning of work. Again, unfortunately – not a great night for the pitcher in between the starter and those two and Colin McHugh really hate it for him. Um, but those are most of the, of the highlights from the night. Next, I wanted to kind of give you my thoughts on the opening day, go over some of the player applauses. Um, I think those are pretty interesting and just my overall experience from opening day. So we'll talk about that after the break. As you know, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. They are better than a candy bar, and they are better for you. With most of them only having about 130 calories and tons of great protein for you. And there are tons of really good flavors out there. Uh, peanut butter brownie and the cookies and cream, those are two of my favorites that I'm enjoying right now. So go to Built.com as they're always putting out new flavors. So make sure you're checking there regularly. Make sure when you are there and you're placing your order, put locked on in the code box there so that you get 15% off your order. Uh, again, make sure you put in a locked 15 at built.com to get 15% off your order. All right, lastly, I wanted to I want to just wrap up this and uh, appreciate you bearing with me here. Kind of losing my voice. It's uh, almost 1.30 a.m. here, Central. Uh, as I'm recording this coming out of the car, but um, wanted to give you my overall thoughts on opening day. I thought it was a great experience. Um, you know, I've been to several opening days. I think this was my 10th in a row uh, or something like that. And they're all special, um, but this one obviously very special coming off the World Series. You know, it's just so nice to be there. Even last opening day, I went to last opening day, you know, it was still limited capacity. So this was the first time you know, back to full capacity, coming back, celebrating a World Series. The Braves did 
Uh, tremendous job starting off this, what they're calling Champions Weekend. I love those gold uniforms, the gold hats, uh, the pregame festivities outside the stadium. You know, seeing all the people there, seeing the excitement for this baseball team, uh, you know, just really got me emotional <laughs> as a baseball fan, as a, a Braves fan. And it was just a really, you know, awesome time seeing, watching those highlights with everybody in there, you know, the 40,000 plus fans in the stadium, watching those postseason highlights from last year. Uh, again, I, I just thought it was a, a great time. And I, I thought it was just a very neat experience there at the ballpark. Glad I got to be part of it. Um, I wanted to go over just what I thought of kind of, player applause i guess i'm probably a better word for it but again it's 1 30 a.m i'm kind of losing my words here at the moment but i think it's always interesting to see who the fans cheer the loudest for uh i don't know maybe this is kind of silly but uh that to me kind of gives me an idea of what the fan base is feeling about a certain player and a couple of uh, i think key the interesting things that i take away from it I think Ron Washington got the loudest applause of anybody, player, coaches, whatever. I think he got the loudest applause out of anybody and much deserved. I love Ron Washington. He's obviously become a fan favorite here. Glad that he wasn't snatched up as a manager from another team. But I thought, found that to be pretty interesting. As far as the players, you know, nobody really stood out. You know, in the past, Freddie Freeman, you know, was obviously the loudest. I didn't really notice one player getting, you know, such a loud, except for maybe Tyler Matzik. I will say Tyler Matzik got a very loud applause from the fans. I think he's become a fan favorite, you know, mostly with uh, what he does on Twitter, but obviously what he did in the postseason last year. You know, he and AJ Minter too, um, you know, really got some big applauses as well. But, you know, as far as the position players, I didn't really notice. You know, I thought maybe Ozzy would get a huge applause. Um, and, and, you know, he did, but nothing, you know, nothing significant. Dansby really either. Um, you know, because I'm still wondering, okay, who is this fan base rallying around? Who is their go-to guy? You know, I think if Ronnie had been there, I think he would have gotten that, you know, major applause where, you know, you take it up just a notch. And, again, I know I'm reading way too much into this, but I, I just always find it interesting uh, to see the fan level of excitement for a certain player and i just didn't see that from anybody which is interesting I, i'm curious to see how that plays throughout the year um, to see if there's one particular player who you know earns that um, spot for the braves the spot that freddie freeman used to hold a spot that i think ronald Cunha jr will hold once he's there but as far as what i saw on thursday there really wasn't that one player that the the fans just went above and beyond uh to cheer for and when the game started i loved that everybody did the eddie chance for eddie rosario that was great and i loved that pretty much everybody gave matt olson a standing ovation in his first at bat that's really what i wanted to see from the braves fans uh is, is them giving you know welcoming matt olson to the team to the city so that was great really applaud all of you uh, for doing that and making Matt feel welcome here and part as part of this team. You know, I heard a couple of 
um, you know, drunk, drunk cheers for, you know, saying we don't like Freddie Freeman. I, I'm not into all that. Do what you will at a baseball game. You know, Freddie Freeman is gone. We need to quit talking about him. We need to quit putting him in the narrative for this season. Freddie Freeman is gone. I know it's going to come up when they play. You know, we're at a we're at a Braves game. He's not part of the Braves. Why are you talking about how you feel about Freddie Freeman? So I hope that goes away. Whether you like him, hate him, whatever, just let's let Freddie Freeman be Freddie Freeman out there in L.A. Let's focus on Matt Olson and this Braves team. But other than that, I thought it was a great opening day. You know, despite the outcome, I loved the pregame festivities, hated about the third inning on in that game because it got really cold and the Braves fell behind. Uh, but glad I was able to be there as part of that opening day. Hope some of you were able to as well. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Make sure you follow us at Locked On underscore Braves. We almost got to 1K by opening day. We're really close. Appreciate all the support there. Uh, continue to, to follow us on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 